0: I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to challenge you to follow Christ, and to inspire you to lead a consecrated life. Last week, we examined what the Bible teaches about heaven. This week, we'll see what it says about hell. John Cortright explains there are three meanings of hell in scripture, including Tartarus, where fallen angels are temporarily imprisoned, Hades slash Sheol, where the dead remain until resurrection, and Gehenna, where the wicked are destroyed in the final judgment. Here now is episode 150, What is Hell, with John Cortright.
1: Uh, last week we looked at heaven is for the birds. This week we are going to look at hell, or it's like I say, what the hell? A very common belief is that when a person dies, if they're good, they go to, and if they're bad, they go to. See, you all, heard, you all heard that, right? That is what is commonly believed. But what is the truth? What is truth? What does the Bible state? The Bible compellingly teaches that when a person dies, they are dead and they remain dead until the resurrection, which is still yet to come in the future. The scriptures refer to death as sleep, the sleep of the dead. The dead are not alive in heaven, nor is a person suffering in eternal hell. In Adam, all die. In Christ, all will be made alive. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two. Jesus Christ is the only man that conquered death. And Jesus Christ is the only man to have died, has risen from the dead, and remained alive to this day. Jesus is now alive at the right hand of God. The Christian hope, the Christian hope is that Christ will return. And in what is called the first resurrection, all of those Who had faith in Christ will be raised from the dead. Jesus will then reign on the earth for a thousand years, ruling all the nations of the earth. At the end of the thousand years, there is going to be a second resurrection. This is called the resurrection of the unjust. And every person who ever existed, good or bad, but especially in this one, the bad, if they were not in the first resurrection, will be at that time raised from the dead. And then every man that ever existed will stand before the throne of Christ and will be judged. All those who are evil whose name is not written in the book of life, will at that time be thrown into the lake of fire, where well, they will perish forever. And this in the Bible is called the second death. So, nowhere in the Bible does the Scripture state that when a person dies, they go to heaven. But what about Hell. What is hell? Who's in hell? And what happens in hell? And here at Living Hope, it's our privilege and our what we strive for is that we don't teach you tradition. We're not interested in teaching mythology. We are interested in teaching the Bible, what does the Bible say? Death is an important subject. You know why? Because all of us, all of us have to deal with it. Whether it's our own death or whether it is someone, we all know someone who has died. And it is something we all wrestle with. And there is a sting in death. And it says in the Bible that death is an enemy. So what happens? We want to know what the Bible says. There is a lot of fiction. There's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of mythology around the subject of hell. But what is the truth? What does the Bible say? And I, by God's grace, I'm going to try and show this to you today. The first time I heard, and actually I've heard several things to bring to you what I understand today. When I first heard this, I remember thinking, I never heard that before. And And then after I heard it, I remember thinking, that makes so much sense. So maybe today some things that I teach you have never heard before, praise God. Or maybe you have heard it before, praise God. We'll look into this. So what do people think about hell? I actually taught on this several years ago, and I did it at work. I went around and I did a hell survey at work. I took people out to lunch and we went and, and these, were the, these were the top answers of what people thought about hell. What do people believe about hell? Hell is a place where bad people go after they die. Hell is a place with flaming fire all around where sinners go after they die and experience eternal torment. Hell is a place where the devil lives. It is located deep in the depths of the earth. And then the other one, which a lot of people thought this one, there is no such place as hell. It is simply a concept made up by religious groups to put fear into people. And I can tell you from my study of the scripture, none of these are true. So, what is hell? I'm going to share with you, this is uh, from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but I, I, I went and looked at a lot of different denominations on their statement of faith regarding the subject. And I want to show you this one, but it's pretty much, they're all very similar to this. So I'm not picking on the Catholic Church here. This is, this is, but this was the best statement that I saw that um, is kind of traditionally believed by just about all of the major denominations. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that the teaching of the Church affirms the existence of hell and its eternity. Immediately after death, the souls of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell, where they suffer the punishments of hell, eternal fire. The chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from God. I don't believe that is true. And for those of you who say... There is no hell. That there is no place called hell. Yes, there is. And anyone can go there. In fact, it's only about a 12-hour drive. Hell, Michigan. (laughs) From here, it's about 12 hours away. And if you want, you all can go to hell. (laughs) So there's my humor for the teaching. But what does the Bible really say about hell? And this is where I'd like to look. Did I tell you to go to 2 Peter chapter 2? First on this slide up here, in the earliest in the earliest English New Testament, the word hell is an English word. Okay, In the earliest English translations, and I mean the various earliest, Tyndale's New Testament, the Bishop's Bible, the Geneva Bible, and then these got, uh, when the King James Version, it kept this usage. Um, In the Greek, in these earliest English Bibles, the word hell was translated from three different Greek words. And I'd like to look at these through the rest of this teaching to understand what the Bible says about hell. Hell. One is the Greek word Tartarus, And this is a place where angels who sinned are imprisoned, reserved for the time of judgment. The second Greek word is Hades, or in the Hebrew it's the word sheol. And this is the grave, gravedom. It is the state of being dead. And last is the Gehenna. It comes from the Hebrew, the valley of Hinnom. And this is hellfire the lake of fire in the revelation it's called the second death. And now we're going to look at these different usages of hell. In 2 Peter chapter 2 here in verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 it says for if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. God did not spare these angels who sinned at the time of Noah, but he committed them to the pits of darkness, to hell. This is this Greek word, Tartarus, And this is the only place it's used in the entire Bible, is here in 2 Peter. That these angels, fallen angels, whatever they did, they, it was something they weren't allowed to do during the time of the flood of Noah. And they were put into Tartarus, in this place called hell, but it's the Greek word Tartarus. Um... You could also put in your notes 1 Peter 3 19 through 20. There it talks about when Jesus Christ, after he was resurrected, he went down and witnessed. I don't know what it means he witnessed, but he went and showed himself to these spirits in prison, these angels that had in prison in this Tartaru, wherever that is. Uh, Here up on uh, the board, Jude 1, 1 6, it says, The angels the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of that great day. These are called angels, fallen angels. The best I understand, fallen angels are demons. But these angels who sinned, these fallen angels, are in this place of Tartaru. This possibly is the same place that is called the abyss, or the King James Version calls the bottomless pit. I don't know what that is. I mean, how can you have a bottomless pit? But anyways, the abyss. Um, It possibly is the same. Remember when Jesus was, uh, when he was um, casting out the demons, when there was a legion, and, and they said to him in Luke, it says, they said to him, please don't throw us, cast us into the abyss. It very well could mean that they didn't want to go where these angels went. And if that is the same, that's where the devil is put for the thousand-year reign. It says he's captured and he's chained in the abyss. It could be the same location. I'm not certain, but I think it could be the the same place where these angels, the devil is going to be cast for a thousand years. Now it's important to note The Bible never speaks of any human beings going here. Only that I can see are angels, fallen angels, demons, and eventually the devil that are put in chains into this location until the time of the judgment. The next word I want to look at is Hades. The Greek word Hades in the New Testament is the equivalent of the Hebrew word Sheol in the old testament in the king james version these words hades and sheol are translated as hell the grave and the pit one of the great troubles i think we have with the subject is that when the greek testament the greek old testament was made called the septuagint right when they made the septuagint and they took the Hebrew words, every place in the Hebrew in that Greek Old Testament where the Hebrew word Sheol was used, the Greeks used the word Hades. And then when you get the New Testament, it's the word Hades. Why do I have a problem with that? Because Hades is one of the three major gods of Greek mythology. Hades is the god in Greek mythology that oversees the netherworld, the realm of the dead. All the ancient religions, uh, the different groups have this. The Egyptians had Osiris, the god of the dead, over the realm of the dead. The Hebrew Bible doesn't speak of this. It doesn't talk about the netherworld. There is no such thing. It's part of these other Influences of other religions, of mythology that has crept into Christianity, but it was never in Jewish thought. What is in Jewish thought is that when a person dies, they go to Sheol. This simply is the state of being dead. That's all it means. Now, unfortunately, there's not really a good English word that describes this. From a biblical point of view, there's not a good English word that's called that you use for the state of being dead. In fact, in modern English Bibles, you'll see that they keep the words Sheol and Hades in the text, because there really isn't an accurate English word to describe those what this is. I heard a word coin once, but it's, if you look it up in a dictionary, it's not really a word. Gravedom. I like that. Gravedom. Meaning the state of a person of being dead. Now the gravedom or Sheol is not the grave, right? It's not the cemetery. It's not that physical location of a tomb. It is the state of being dead. For instance, on the, when the Challenger exploded, right? The people on there, there was no grave for them. All those people went to Sheol, though. They went to this state of being dead. Psalm 49, starting in verse 1. It says, Hear this, all peoples. Give ear all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. Low, high, rich, poor. No social status here. My mouth will speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will express my riddle on the harp. Why should I fear in the days of adversity when the iniquity of my foes surrounds me? Even those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches, no man by any means can redeem his brother Or give to him a ransom for him. For the redemption of the soul is costly, that he should cease trying forever, that he should live on eternally, that he should not undergo decay. For he sees that even the wise men die, the stupid and the senseless alike perish, they leave wealth to others, their inner thoughts is that their houses are forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their names after their lands after their own names, but man in his pomp will not endure. He is like the beast that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish, and all of those after who's approved their words, Salah. As sheep, they are appointed for Sheol the gravedom. Death shall be their shepherd, the upright shall rule over them in the morning, and their form shall be for Sheol to consume so that they have no habitation. The good, the evil, the saint, the sinner, the rich, the poor, the king, the servant, all men, every man, when they die, go to shale. They're dead and they go to the grave. They are in the state of gravedom. That's what the scriptures teach. It was very clear here. In fact, he says, who can, who can buy their way out of it? Who by any means can redeem himself from this state of shale. They can't do it. So what happens in shale? Sean briefly looked at this last week, and I'm going to go to the same verses. Oh, well, first Psalm 89, 48. What man can live and not see death? That's the question. It's a rhetorical question. Can he deliver his soul from the power of shale? These are two questions. You know what the answer to both those questions is? No. None. What man's going to live and not see death? No one. Can any man deliver himself from the power of Sheol? No. He can't. What happens in Sheol? What happens in gravedom? Nothing. nothing. Ecclesiastes 9.5. It says, For the living know they will die, but the dead do not know anything, nor have they any longer a reward, for their memory is forgotten. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or wisdom, or knowledge in shale, where you're going. There's no activity. The dead are dead. They are not alive. This was Satan's first lie. The very first lie in the Bible. When they sinned, God said, if you, if you take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will surely die. Satan says, you will not surely die. Someone's got to be a liar. And it's not God. It is the lie of Satan that when you die, you are now alive. It doesn't make sense. Why does it hurt so much if everybody's alive after they're dead? It hurts... Because they're dead. They are in shale. They are in the state. They are not alive up in heaven. I know we always say, there's grandma looking down on me playing football. Right? He's watching over me. Someone dies and now we've got another angel up in heaven. These are not biblical terms. They also don't reincarnate into animals, you know. And I, I let, but you know, I I've, I've, I hear people say this. You know, someone dies, someone they love, and suddenly they have, you know, they looked. I looked out my back window, and a deer was looking in my window, and I think it was my Joey. I, I mean, we we get emotional, and, and and we love we love people, but you know what? There was a deer in your backyard. Now, now if. Can God do something to bless you? Like like if Joey was an animal lover, could God have sent that deer to your backyard to make you remember that person? Absolutely. But the dead are dead. They're not alive. Biblically, what the scriptures talk about, this state of shale, is that is sleep. It is the sleep of... The dead. The best understanding that I have experienced in my life is when I went into surgery. And before you go in, they prep you, they, they give you the anesthesia. And you sit there talking to the doctor or the, the anesthesia. Hello, how you doing? And next thing you know, hours could have passed, right? And they had all this technical stuff and they were doing and I wake up, I'm in the recovery room. For the doctor and the nurses, there was hours went by and a lot of things happened. But for me, it was just like that. That is what happens in Sheol. For Abraham, who died believing in the Messiah almost 4,000 years ago, when he died, it says he had hope, seeing a future of the coming city. He had a future and he embraced that and he died in faith of that hope. And for Abraham, who died almost 4,000 years ago, it's like that. And he is going to see the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's comforting. That's comforting. They're not up there flying around, looking over me. They're not spooking me in the doors of my house. You understand? That's not the scriptures. This is shale. But I love what the psalmist wrote here and said here in Psalm 49:15a, "But God will redeem my soul from the power of shale, the power of the grave." And that I love that song. It could not be overcome. It could not overcome Jesus Christ. The power of the grave. The power of death. No man can buy his way out. No man can do it. There is no other religion on earth that can get you out of this state. There is only one. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And God showed that by raising him from the dead. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter so beautifully speaks this. Acts 2. After this event, when they're speaking in tongues and they're questioning what's going on, Peter preaches this tremendous sermon on this first day of what I call the first day of the Christian church. And he goes back to Psalm 16. And he records what's written, what David wrote in Psalm 16. And then in verse 29, Acts 2 29, Peter preaches, he says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you, regarding the patriarch David, that he is what? He's died, he's dead. And he was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. David is dead. He is in Sheol. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he was neither abandoned to Sheol, to Hades, Nor did his flesh suffer decay. Look at this verse as quoted in the King James Version. Acts 2.13 I have up here. It says in the King James Version, He, David, seeing before, seeing the future of what's going to happen with the Christ, spoke before of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left where? In hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption if you want to translate Sheol and Hades hell, I don't think that's the right translation, but if you do, as it is here in the King James Version, then you know what? Jesus Christ went to hell. Meaning he went to Sheol for three days and three nights. Jesus was in the state of Sheol. I mean, that just, do you understand what that means? No one had ever overcome shale. Jesus is dying on that cross. While he's alive, he can do miracles. While he's alive, he can minister to people. While he's alive, he can teach. As soon as he says, into thy hands, I commend my spirit, he has no power to do anything. And it says... In Hebrews, he entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously. At that moment, he let go and said, God, this is all your gig. And he went to Sheol, where there is no activity. There is no... And for three days and three nights, he was dead. And then there was the earthquake. And God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah! That's why Jesus Christ's resurrection is just so big. Because he conquered it. He conquered Sheol. And now he is seated at the right hand of God. And there is a day coming when all the tombs will hear the voice of Jesus. And in the resurrection, all those who have faith, will be raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, Look at verse 34. Verse 34. For it was not David who, what? Ascended into heaven. David didn't ascend to heaven. David didn't ascend down to the depths of hell. David went to the death. He went to Sheol. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool under my feet. Jesus Christ is the only one to have died and ascended into heaven. Not even David went there. Now, here's where I want to get to. The Gehenna. (laughs) The Gehenna. The Gehenna is this word in Greek, Gehenna, which comes from two Hebrew words. It's actually of the words Gehe-Hanam. Gehenna in the Greek comes from the Hebrew Gehe-Hanam, which means the valley of Hanam, the Gehenna. The valley of Hanam is a location on earth. It is a valley just south of the old city of Jerusalem. During the reign of King Ahaz and later King Manasseh, the nation of Judah committed horrendous sin, horrendous idolatry. You know what they did in the Gehenna? You know what they did in the Valley of Hinnom? They built an altar called Tophet. And they burned their children in idolatry, idolatry worship to the god Molech. In the Valley of Hanam. In the in the old testament, when it said, Don't let your children pass through the fire, yep. that's what it means. Don't let your children be offered on fire and killed in the valley of Hanam on the altar of Tophet. And you read the record, I gave you verses there, Jeremiah seven thirty seven, verse thirty through thirty-three and nineteen one through eleven. There's a great record there. Where Jeremiah the prophet, takes a clay pot, and he takes all the elders and he goes down to the valley of Hanam. He goes down to this valley at this altar of Tophet, and he breaks the clay pot, and he says, "Just like I'm breaking this clay pot,'re we going to Tophet will be destroyed, and this place is no longer going to be known as the valley of Hanam, but the valley of slaughter. And this is where your carcasses are going to burn." in this valley. And then King Josiah took to heart and destroyed Tophet. And this is what happens here. Now, at the time of Jesus Christ, by the time you get to the New Testament, the Gehenna, the Valley of Hanam, became to denote a place of eternal judgment in the world to come the fiery hell where evil will f- be destroyed in the valley of Hinnom. I put this here from this, this is interesting, from uh, Smith's Bible Dictionary. To put an end to these abominations, the place was polluted by King Josiah. That's where Josiah destroyed this altar. Who rendered it ceremonially unclean by spreading over it human bones and other corruptions over time it appears to have become a common cesspool of the city into which its sewage was conducted to be carried off by the waters of Kidron. From its ceremonial defilement and from the detestable and abominable fire of Molech, if not from the supposed ever-burning funeral piles, the later Jews applied the name of Valley, Gehenna, to denote the place of eternal torment or eternal destruction. There is an allusion to worms, Insect larvae feeding on the dead bodies of the buried. The Valley of Hanam near Jerusalem where the filth of the city was cast was alive with worms. So what, was the, what happened in the Valley of Hanam? It's where all the waste, it's where the dead animals, it's where the dead people, it's where the, and there was a fire that was constantly going. Worms ate up the corrupted bodies. So it was a really disgusting, evil place. This metaphorically then became an understanding of the future judgment. Gehenna. The Gehenna. And Jesus uses it this way in his teachings. Mark nine forty seven. Jesus said, If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. For it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes be cast into hell. This is the word Gehenna. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That's from that, that understanding of what happened in that valley. That's why that uses there. That's why that worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. But that Jesus says it's better for you, in other words, to, go into, to die and have one, lose an eye, than that your whole body and soul is cast into Gehenna. You don't want to go to the Gehenna. Matthew 10:28 Jesus said, "Do not fear those who can kill the body, don't worry if someone can kill you and you die in this life, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and hell in where? Gehenna. It's the second death that we are concerned with." In the book of Revelation, what Jesus called the Gehenna is called the lake of fire. Now, this is very important to understand. There is no one in Gehenna, the lake of fire, today. It doesn't exist yet. This judgment is yet to come in the future. According to Revelation 19.20, the first ones to be cast into Gehenna, into the lake of fire, will be the beast and the false prophets. Those are the first people that will be cast into the lake of fire. After Jesus comes back, right at the end of the age, they are going to be cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is called the second death. Revelation 2.11, it says, He who overcomes, you know, we just sang this song, He has overcome. We want to be part of that. Yes. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. The second death. Revelation twenty one seven and 8, it says, He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's called the second death. There was a Christian songwriter who was associated with our ministry, a few years back called Billy Falcon. And he had a song called, I don't want to die twice. <laughs> it's really a great tune. I don't want to die twice. All of us are, are subject for Sheol. But you don't have to die the second time. That's where hell is. That is the Gehenna. That is the lake of fire. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. When these things go down, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20 verse 5. It says the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. When Jesus Christ comes back and he raises the dead, everyone is in shell right now. But Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, all of those who had faith in Christ will be raised from the dead in the first resurrection from the dead. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power but will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. You want to be part of the first resurrection. You want to be part of this. That is why, you know, you look at this and you say, well, what, how much life you got left? How much life do all of us have left? What do you want to do with it? You want to live for yourself or do you want to live for this? Eternal life we're talking about. I know what I want to do with my life. I want to live for this. I want to live for this day. And be able to reign with my Lord and Savior for a thousand years on this earth. (laughs) That'd be good stuff. Good stuff. And in verse 10, then what happens here is Satan is loosed for a while at the end of this thousand years. And then Satan's taken And in verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. Satan, the devil is going into the lake of fire next. Hallelujah. That's the end of him. Gone. Verse 11. Then I saw great white throne, and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. This is at the second resurrection. You know, I've, I've talked to atheists, and they say, well, I don't care, you know, when I die, it's done. And I, they say, no, it ain't. You may think it's done, but it's not done yet. Because you know what? You may die. And you know what? You're getting up again. And when you get up again, you get to see Jesus Christ. Face to face. And face the judgment. That's what this is. And he gave up the dead which were in it. Verse 13. And death and Hades. Death and Hades. Death and gravedom. Gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Death is, death, it ends. It ends forever. Death and Hades is goes into the lake of fire. Amen, baby. That's the end of it. Death and Hades go into the lake of fire And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, wait, this is the second death, the lake of fire. That's what we're talking about. That's the second death, the Gehenna, the lake of fire. And anyone's name was not written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. huh? A few years ago, I had a privilege to go to Israel. And uh, I was studying a lot of these things. We had a day off. And our uh, motel was in Old Jerusalem, and we were just right up the hill from the Valley of Hanam. So Richard Elton was with me, your dad. And I said, Richard, you, you want to go to hell? <laughs> and he said, what? I said, Let's go. so we walked down to the Valley of Hanam just south of the old city. This is, this is where it is in Jerusalem. It's not a real tourist spot. <laughs> so you have to worry about dealing with other people there or tourist groups. There's no buses that go here. So we actually went down to the Valley of Hanam. And while I was there with Richard, just the two of us, nobody else is there. Nobody really wants to go there. It's, it's like, I don't know what it is today. It's, there's not much there. It's just like a, nothing. And um, I read that verses in Jeremiah where Jeremiah took the clay pot and then I read the prophecy that Jeremiah spoke in that I don't know if it's the exact location, I don't know where Tophet was. I mean the Valley of is big, but we were we were somewhere in the vicinity of the Valley of Hanam. And I read that. And as I'm reading, Richard looks down and he finds these little pieces of clay pottery. Well actually, I don't know if they were clay pottery or if they were maybe more like septic system clay. But anyways, I grabbed them and I have clay pieces from the Valley of Hinnom, and I have the prophecy of Jeremiah over that location. It's interesting because Rich is a—he's a scientific mind. So the two of us are down there, and we're down in the valley, and, and from there you can see the, the Mount of Olives up on the hill. And we're talking about man, you know, it, when Jesus Christ comes back, the Mount of Olives is going to split. Well, what would split a mountain? A, a volcano, right? And we're like, whoa, could you see that? Like the mountain could split and volcanic you know, volcanic liquid you know, could come down here and it could be a, a molten lava right here. And, and you know, maybe it'd block off so it couldn't flow down the valley like in the Kidron. And this literally could be a lake of fire. We're like, wow. Now, I don't know if that's where this is going to be located. But just the, just the physical aspects of the area, that could actually happen. And then this would have to be special lava that could kill devil spirits and kill death. But so, and so we're just thinking, you know, and then we decided, we better go back up the hill. Um, let's, let's get out of here. But anyways, uh, so that was kind of fun. Went to the Valley of Phnom. So to review, this is the simple truth in the scriptures. Looking at the word hell, and these are the only ways it's used Tarturo is a place where angels who sin are imprisoned, reserved for the time of judgment. No humans are here. Only fallen angels and demons are in Tarturo. Hades, or Sheol in the Hebrew, is the grave, or gravedom. It is the state of being dead. All men go here when they die. Jesus defeated the power of Sheol and will redeem mankind from this state in the future resurrection. Those who have faith will be raised to eternal life. And then finally, Gehenna. Now I think if there's any word that I would say is hell or hellfire, it's this. The Gehenna in the Hebrew comes from the Valley of Hanam. It's hellfire, the lake of fire, the second death. No one is in the Gehenna today. This is reserved for the wicked in a future judgment. Here, the devil, demons, unbelievers, death, and Sheol will be destroyed and cease to exist forever. That is the best I understand of what the Bible says about
0: hell. Just a little clarification, John I was saying tartarou, based on the verbal form, it's a contract verb in Greek, which is Tartaroo. and there's actually a noun form of it that doesn't appear in the New Testament, but it's tartarus. Um, not tartar sauce, but tartarus. Uh, but you can look that up and get all the information on it. I just wanted to make that slight adjustment there and let you know as well that we have a great debate on this subject in podcast number 10, Is Hell Forever? And I mentioned this last week. I'm going to mention it again. It's that good. Chris Date versus Phil Fernandez. If you want to hear both sides and really get into the nitty-gritty of the quote-unquote difficult texts on this subject, please take a look at that. Thanks, that's it for our little Heaven and Hell series. Also, if you'd like to add your voice to the mix, why not log on to restitudio.org and find Podcast 150, What is Hell, with John Courtright, and you can leave your own comments there. Next time we'll hear an interview, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, the truth has nothing to fear.